is Bloomberg Surveillance. Historically, we have never seen oil prices come off this far, this sharply, without seeing a production response of a significant magnitude. I think banks are going to have a very tough go of it. And the only way you're going to make money over the next 12 months is to trade them. You wonder whether there's now a case beginning to be built to say we need fiscal stimulus around the world and maybe the IMF should begin to help that process. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keene. And as promised, Citigroup has reported and they have reported as uh, we suggested they might better than the estimates of analysts coming in at a dollar ten per share. The consensus forecast was for a dollar three revenue of seventeen point six billion dollars is a little bit better than the seventeen five that analysts had thought they might do. The story in the headlines at the moment seems to be pretty similar to what we have seen from other banks this week. Allison Williams covers the banking industry for Bloomberg Intelligence. And, Allison, I'm seeing headlines that say, you know, um, uh, trading le- uh, uh, trading revenue is down significantly, and uh, that's um, the weighing on uh, what the, the banks are able to do. So it looks like um, the trading is weighing on the revenue, but it does look like fixed income might have come in a little better than expected. Equities um, a little weaker. Um, need to go through the numbers just a little bit to make sure that that excludes valuation adjustments. But I think um, expectations were very negative coming into the quarter. We, re- we saw the earnings revisions. I think it was like a 25 percent uh, revision to earnings in, in the month heading into these reports. We had Citigroup basically saying at the end of February they thought their trading was going to be down 15 percent, fees down 25 percent. Uh, J.P. Morgan uh, gave uh, sort of even more dire 20 percent down in trading, and they beat that number, and I think we're seeing the same thing from Citigroup today. Investment banking revenue, $875 million also comes in light, also one of the stories on Wall Street this quarter. That is one of the stories, and I think the other story is energy losses, so not necessarily a Wall Street story, um, but a a story more behind the the bread-and-butter business of lending. And Citigroup is one of the biggest energy holders. They already did – they pre-announced that they were going to be taking a reserve uh, build for energy, and and we're seeing that in the results. Uh, The other thing um, that I'm looking at is expenses, and I want to sort of take a deeper look not just at what the headline number is, but cost control is important. Given the the Fed uh, outlook has been pushed out for further rate hikes, investors are really more anxious on what are these banks going to do on costs? How are they going to protect the bottom line? Well, uh, before I let you go, let me uh, let me uh, expand on that. Is is it what the banks are going to do or what they have already done? They knew this was a bad quarter. So ha- have they already taken the steps they need to uh, because they wanted to have a better bottom line uh, than uh, it appeared from their earnings? Well, I think the focus on expenses is really how is this going to affect earnings beyond the quarter. So, um, you know, at Citigroup, you saw the repositioning charge. They had sort of flagged this ahead of time, basically talking about making changes to to be able to bring down some costs while being able to invest back in the business. And so the question is sort of what is the run rate from here? Allison Williams, we'll let you go back and uh, dive deeply into the Citigroup numbers uh, 
for those of you who subscribe to Bloomberg Intelligence, and of course everybody should, she'll have her uh, report out for you uh, later today. Citigroup net income falls 27% to $3.5 billion, works out to a $1.10 a share. That is better than the dollar three consensus forecast of analysts, and that's being reflected in Citi's share price. Early trading, Citi stock up by 2.7%. Bloomberg Surveillance, we should mention, brought to you by Cone Resnick Accounting Tax Advisory. During times of growth, crisis, or economic uncertainty, your business needs the Cone Resnick Advisory Group for the strategies to move forward. Find out more at ConeResnick.com. Well, along with the uh, bank earnings this week, we have the Doha Summit meeting on oil prices. Oil prices lower this morning, as Iran says they will not send their oil minister to this summit. And we have the IMF World Bank sitting back, uh, observing all of it, and issuing somewhat uh, pessimistic predictions about where we might go in the second quarter. Down in Washington, we find our friend Carl Weinberg. He's the chief economist, founder of High Frequency Economics, there to uh, observe all that happens between the IMF and World Bank meetings. And, Carl, uh, as you survey the world, are you as gloomy as the uh, initial uh, sort of uh, forecasts that we're getting from the IMF, uh, from Mr. Obst and from uh, Madame Lagarde? Oh, sure, Mike. Good morning. Yeah, I'm at least as gloomy as they are. And uh, I think that they're doing a better job of pointing out some of the faults in the world economy. You know, working in the political environment that they're constrained to, they sometimes can't come out and say everything that the staff might want to say. But they've hit the nail on the head, I think, with concerns about the, the impact of falling commodity prices and falling energy prices on developing countries and the impact of their problems feeding back onto the developed world. You know, they, their headline, I think, captures it all. World growth has been too slow for too long, and there's more trouble lying ahead. Time to do something about it with other policies than monetary policies. Though we just had on Atulele from Deltec, who said he thought the IMF is behind the curve. In January, we saw oil prices at $29, $27. Now we're looking at $43, $44, even though the, uh, the price of oil is off today. Commodities seem to have bottomed. Is the IMF, is high-frequency economics looking in the mirror? Well, I think the IMF is a rather slow adjuster. All right, and anyone who watches the IMF and reads their forecast, I think, knows that it takes them a while to get to where the world is going. So they are very much a lagging indicator of what's happening in the world. At high frequency, as you well know, Mike, we've been very bearish on the world economy for some time now, worried specifically about commodity prices, worried specifically about repercussions of problems originating in commodity-producing countries, reflecting back onto the world uh, economy through trade. And uh, I've been uh, talking with you and Tom about trade problems in the world economy as far back as last summer. So high frequency, we're doing okay. We're staying ahead of the curve uh, as far as the IMF is concerned. They're getting there, and I think right now they're certainly sending the right message to policymakers, which is they have to do more on the fiscal side, and monetary policy may not be working. Well, uh, where is the curve taking us from here? Well, in terms of the world, I think that commodity prices, as you point out, you know, they've got to be pretty close to a bottom. I think it's time to start looking for them to turn around. But even if they level off where they are right now, we're still at levels that are too low to support production of many commodities, even at current levels. 
and we're still at levels that gen- levels of commodity prices that generate income of commodity producing countries that aren't enough to cover their outstanding expenses their fiscal budget deficits so the problems will persist even if the commodity prices stop falling and unless you can predict a recovery in commodity prices and i surely am not prepared to do that um, then you're going to see these problems continue to fester starting in the emerging world and then reflecting out. In other words, we're in it for a while, Mike. The emerging world has been able to watch the headlines for a very long time. Uh, have they reacted to the kinds of forecasts the IMF and, and, and you are giving? Are, are people making the kind of adjustments they need to make in emerging markets? Well, Mike, I think they're, they're trying or they recognize the need, but uh, you heard Madame Lagarde's comments uh, yesterday. You know, uh, Brazil is in big trouble, Venezuela is in big trouble, Nigeria is a very scary case. I mean, when your terms of trade turn against you, there's a limit to what you can do, especially if you're an emerging economy. So I think that, you know, there are problems and there are facts, and the fact is that this drop in commodity prices caused by excess supply, not by shortfall of demand, but by excess supply put online over the last five years. This fall in commodity prices makes the world a poorer place, and there's going to be losses of incomes both on the developed and the developing side of the equation. Well, how long does it take to wring that excess supply out of the economy? Well, that's the question we don't know, Mike, and it seems to me it took us five years to get into it. It's not going to go away overnight, but there's no resolution to this other than reducing the supply of the potential supply of commodities that's out there. So, you know, we see it in the oil market. You know, we've seen, you know, production of shells going down. We saw the IEA report yesterday that all looks very good. Shell's going to come offline. But the potential is still there for shell to come back as quickly as it came offline, which is to say there's slack in the energy industry, and any increase in price will just bring those producers back online again. So we really have to, you know, exhaust the, the supply and, and wait for demand to match it or for supply to be really scrapped. And there's no sign of that happening quickly. So I think we're in it for a while here. We've got a gloomy outlook, and that's what the IMF is telling us. And kudos for them for coming out and saying it. Carl Weinberg of High Frequency Economics will continue our conversation. He's nice enough to stay around for another uh, 15 minutes or so before he gets in lines for uh, Capitals tickets on Saturday night as the NHL playoffs continue. Tom Keane uh, still searching for uh, a team. His Montreal Canadiens haven't 24 years since they won the Cup. Uh, he's going to go with Pittsburgh this year. Anyway, we'll be back here on Bloomberg Surveillance. Time to check in now with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, thank you very much. President Obama is set to enter the Brexit debate. The president will visit the U.K. next week and will call for Britain to remain part of the European Union. President Obama's advisors told reporters on the conference call that a vote to leave would diminish Britain's influence in the world. A leaked report critical of airport security has apparently cost Belgium's transport minister her job. According to the prime minister, she resigned. The revelations came after the attacks in Brussels killed 32 people. Boston is marking the third anniversary of the marathon bombings with a subdued remembrance. Survivors will lay a wreath at the marathon finish line this morning. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike? Thank you, Michael. Well, Carl Weinberg is talking about oil prices uh, still 
being depressed, and they are down today. West Texas at 40.43 off 2.6%. Brent, 42.71 off 2.6%. That's weighing on futures. Futures lower. This news update brought to you by Elbow Beach Bermuda, an oceanfront enclave of classic style and contemporary luxury, 50 acres of lush gardens and a private ribbon of pink sand beach. Go to ElbowBeachBermuda.com for more details. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and futures are lower this morning. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call, and here's Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Karen. That's right. Modest losses in the U.S. futures today. Dow futures currently lower by 24 points. S&P futures dropped four, and NASDAQ futures declined by eight. The U.S. 10 yield at 1.77%, and European markets are also trading lower this morning, led by losses in Italy and France. On the U.S. economic front at 8.30, Empire Manufacturing. At 9.15, Industrial Production. And at 10 o'clock, Michigan Sentiment. Estimate 92. In deal news, Mitel to buy Polycom in a cash and stock deal valued at $1.96 billion. And in other news, Bats Global Markets, 13.3 million shares priced at 19 at the top of the range. Regarding earnings this morning, Citigroup beat. Shares are trading higher by 2.6% pre-market. Finally, some of your early Wall Street upgrades and downgrades. JetBlue raised over to Barclays. 3D Systems cut to sell over at Citigroup. Foot Locker cut to market before McCallan. And Adarko raised over to J.P. Morgan. And Micron raised a strong buy over at Raymond James. Live from the first breaking news desk, I'm Bo Maloney. Karen? Thanks, Bill. To hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg, type Squawk Go in your terminal. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K Go. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Moshko, thank you very much. Uh, surveillance correction, Carl Weinberg has not gotten to Washington yet. He's actually paying somebody to stand in line for Capitals tickets uh, for us. He's, he's going to be down there for the IMF World Bank meetings. They get underway today down there. Um, we'll also see finance ministers from the G7, G20 getting together and all kinds of uh, international bankers in Washington as they try to figure out where the world is going. Right now, we're seeing stocks going lower as we get ready for this last day of trading this week. Uh, it's been an up week overall, but S&P futures right now are down four points, uh, two-tenths of a percent. Dow futures are off by 23 points, about a tenth of a percent, and we're off in Europe by uh point now, uh, just under half a percent on the stock's 600. So, Carl, when you uh, are in Washington eventually for the meetings this weekend, what is it that you want to hear and see? Your forecast is already about as pessimistic as they got. What do you think uh, you can learn uh, when you attend these meetings? Well, Mike, what I try to do is I try to talk to people about the need for fiscal policy and the need for fiscal stimulus. I know that's out of the control of most of the people who are uh, at these meetings, but I think that uh, central banks have done uh, so much to push the world economy forward. Um, I think they've reached the limit of what they can do, and it's time to be realistic and either get 
persuade, urge the governments to uh, do more to get the economies moving forward with a little bit of uh, deficit spending and a little bit of uh, Keynesian uh, policy push, or to prepare the world for a few years of not so good economic performance uh, to step away from the fact that, you know, we can do whatever is needed to get the job done and that uh, maybe we can't do that and we just have to accept a, a lower outcome. Carl, I'd love to win the lottery, and it's not going to happen. Uh, fiscal policy, it's not going to happen. So when you say prepare the world, uh, what, do, what do you see us preparing for? What's, what's the outlook? Yeah, I think the outlook, Mike, is that in terms of the aggregate growth numbers that we're used to looking at, we're going to see growth disappoint by the standards of the post-war period. And if politicians are judged against that, then um, as the IMF points out, there's the possibility of a political and social upset uh, in some places in the world. I think we're going to see income per capita in the commodity-producing world actually decline over the next few years as countries adjust their standards of living to the realities of what their resources in the ground can provide for them. Um, and I think we're going to see a very stable price regime moving forward. You know, not talking specifically about the U.S., where the, the inflation question is on an entirely different plane than it is, say, in a place like Nigeria or Venezuela or Brazil, where we've seen enormous disruptions in economic stability uh, caused by currency adjustments in an attempt to forestall this eventual decline in uh, real incomes. Where do you think we see currencies adjust to? A lot of speculation that the G20, when it met back in January, reached some sort of tacit agreement uh, to keep the dollar from strengthening too much. G20 gets together again uh, down in Washington. Uh, is there any? Do you, do you find any veracity in that uh, conspiracy theory? No, I, I don't think so, Mike. I think if you talk to any G20 central bank governor, what they tell you is that the exchange rate is a price and that they can't affect that price, that they accept that price. It's an important price, and they analyze the um, implications of changes in the price of a currency as they put their policies together. But the exchange, but I don't think any central banker out there really views themselves as being able to make a substantial uh, change in the value of their currency for any long period of time. Perhaps in, in emerging economies, in relatively smaller markets, in specific individual cases, yes, all right, Russia can devalue its ruble. Brazil's uh, real, though, is down just as much because the market wants it to, even more so than because the central bank would like to get it there. Well, does the dollar stay, uh, I don't want to say down because it's still relatively strong, but it has stopped strengthening. The second derivative is is going the other way uh, to, to bring Tom into this. Um, does, it, does that continue? Well, um, I'm looking forward to a stronger dollar moving ahead here. And I think that uh, the United States is relatively immune to a lot of these global headwinds. Uh, although uh, trade, as we know, is one of the weakest parts of the, the current U.S. economic outlook. But relatively speaking, it's a storm that we can weather. We have very strong domestic fundamentals, and we have a central bank that's going to be tightening monetary conditions, which is relatively unusual out there. Meanwhile, commodity prices, I'm guessing, are going to not come back quickly. That means there will be economic problems in the commodity-producing world. That's an argument for a stronger dollar. 
So putting all the pieces together, I think there's a, uh, an argument to suggest the dollar will continue to appreciate. Historically, you know, we're in the middle of our range of experience on the dollar. You know, we're not particularly strong and we're not particularly weak. We're just stronger than we were recently. And I think we're going to continue to see the dollar gain uh, traction as we move through this uh, tough period ahead. Kyle Weinberg from High Frequency Economics. Enjoy Washington. It'll be interesting to see how much attention with the Stanley Cup playoffs underway uh, the IMF World Bank meetings get. But uh, we will certainly be following them here on Bloomberg Surveillance. That and the Doha oil meetings this weekend. And then the impeachment vote, Dilma Rousseff down in Brazil. It's going to be a very busy, newsy weekend. Stay tuned to Bloomberg Radio for all of it. Now, the with all due respect highlight brought to you by Land Rover. If it's in your nature to cast off the everyday and seek adventure, the Discovery Sport was built to help your search. Visit LandRoverTriState.com or call 1-800-FIND-4WD for details. Land Rover, above and beyond.